Welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a spiritual community dedicated to the free search of truth and meaning, and we welcome all persons of all religions, ethnic and racial origins, sexual orientations, abilities, genders, and any other circumstance you can think of. We want you here, and we welcome you. Would you say with me the words by which we light our chalice? In the light of truth, and the warmth of love, we gather to seek, to find, and to share. Our call to worship is from Rainer Maria Rilke. You darkness that I come from, I love you more than all the fires that fence in the world. For the fire makes a circle of light for everyone, and then no one outside learns of you. But the darkness pulls in everything, shapes and fires, animals and myself, how easily it gathers them people and powers, and it is possible a great energy is moving near me. I have faith in nights. One thing we do at the beginning of every service is say our mission statement together. It's important because we have beliefs and practices from all major world religions, including secular humanism, um, staunch atheism, neo-paganism, And so at our center, one of the things that's there is our mission statement. Let's read it together. We gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. Our meditation reading is from Starhawk. Hear the words of the star goddess, the dust of whose feet are the hosts of heaven, whose body encircles the universe. I, who am the beauty of the green earth and the white moon among stars and the mystery of the waters, I call upon your soul to arise and come unto me. For I am the soul of nature that gives life to the universe. From me all things proceed, and unto me they must return. Let my worship be in the heart that rejoices. For behold, all acts of love and pleasure are my rituals. Let there be beauty and strength, power and compassion, honor and humility, mirth and reverence within you. And you who seek to know me, know that your seeking and yearning will avail you not unless you know the mystery. For if that which you seek you find not within yourself, you will never find it without. For behold, I have been with you from the beginning And I am that which is attained at the end of desire. Now is the time in our service when we get quiet together. When we plant our feet on the floor and breathe deeply. This is one way to find the still place that the wisdom of all religious folks, tells us is there in the still place. We hear the voice of God or the voice of our inner wisdom or we just follow our breath. It is in the still place that we find clarity 
compassion, understanding. Let us enter into the wise silence together. So good Yule and Merry Christmas to all of you. Our Christian brothers, sisters, and cousins are celebrating the birth of the baby Jesus, the divine child, the light of the world. Religions borrow a lot from one another. The people in the ancient world did not just stay in one place, many of them. They, they traveled, they walked, they went to see what was what, the sailors sailed and the salespeople talked to each other and the caravans traveled and covered miles. And so it's not surprising that you find elements of all the different religions mixed up together. This story of the divine baby born of a virgin is one that you find in so many different cultures. I just wanted to talk about how important it is and how maybe it's the story of the divine seed inside us. You know, we always say we believe there's a spark of the divine in everyone. And maybe this is the story of how it gets born inside us or how we can invite it to grow inside us into the spark of light that we want to be in the world. In our Unitarian Universalist tradition, we try to approach all scripture with respect, and with a broad sense of many possible meanings. The old rabbis used to say, in every scripture there are 600,000 possible meanings. I think any preacher that only says there's one meaning should be looked upon with suspicion. One way we can find the meaning in many scriptures and one way we do it in the Unitarian Universalist tradition is by seeing it as a story with transcendent truth rather than historical truth. So in seminary, all ministers are taught that there is historical truth and then there is capital T truth. And many stories have some of both. But what you read it for is the soul truth in it, S-O-U-L, not the the historical truth. And when you start reading scriptures for history, you get stuck in a literal reading of the scripture that impoverishes your understanding. So listen to the story of Jesus, or Yeshua was his name back there. Um, his mother, Mary, or Miriam, had a visit from an angel who announced that she'd give birth to a savior child. When it came time for the birth, the family was visiting uh, the town of Bethlehem so they could pay their taxes. Born before Mary had been with a man, 
The baby was laid in a manger. Angels and shepherds attended his birth. And after a little while, some people think two years, the wise men came. Of course, Christmas pageant has to shorten the timeline a little bit. The wise men are called also the magi, came from the east to pay tribute to the new king. Well, the Magi had stopped in at the palace because they had seen a star that told them there was a new king being born. And so, of course, they would stop at the palace and say, where is the new baby king? But wicked King Herod said, what new king? And when he got together with his advisors, he made a terrible edict that all the little baby boys in the town of Bethlehem under the age of two should be slaughtered. Mary and Joseph and the baby went to Egypt during that time so that they could keep their son safe. This same story of the divine child is repeated in many different cultures. And this information is not meant to damage anyone's faith, but it's meant to tell how important a story this is for the human soul and what the authors of these Gospels were trying to say about the baby Yeshua by telling the story this way. They were telling it in a way that anyone in the ancient world would read as code for this is the birth of a God king because the Egyptian god Horus was born of a virgin. And as an infant, he was visited by three kings. In Phrygia, Attis was born of the virgin Nama. A Roman god, Quirinus, was born of a virgin. In Tibet, Indra was born of a virgin, and he ascended into heaven after his death. The Greek deity Adonis was born of the virgin Myra, many centuries before the birth of Jesus. 500 years before the birth of Jesus, the Buddha was born from the virgin queen Maya, who was impregnated by a white elephant, putting his tusk into her side. So all of those stories have a similar shape. And the shape is a code for, this is a very important personage. But the most important parallels are between Christ, and I say that so you'll hear the similarity of the names, Christ and Krishna. Christ and Krishna were both called God and the Son of God. Both were sent from heaven to earth in the form of a man. Both were called Savior. Their mothers were holy virgins whose name were, were Miriam and Maya. Um, Krishna's adoptive human father was a carpenter. They were both of royal descent, and Krishna was born while his foster father, Nanda, was in the city to pay his taxes to the king. Both were visited at birth by wise men and shepherds guided by a star. An angel issued a warning that the local dictator planned to kill the baby and had issued a degree for his assassination. Jesus was called the Lion of the tribe of Judah, and Krishna was called the Lion of the tribe of Saki. So, again, <clears throat> the only reason I tell you these things is not to shake anybody's faith, but to say <clears throat> that, this, that this pattern, this shape of a story, 
is a, a common one in human religions. And I think that means it is a story that talks about the life of the soul. Does that make sense? That there is something about the life of the soul where when the spark is born in you, it is tender and in need of being kept safe. And that there are... um, there are wicked forces that work to snuff out the spark in you. I don't know how many of you had um, perfect growing up time where nothing happened and no one tried to, to step on that spark in you. But most people have the experience of being threatened and having to run and hide in a way, hide the spark for a time so that it could grow. Um, there are also stories that are parallels, not for Christmas time, but for another time about a period of temptation that almost all of these figures went through, and death and resurrection. The dying and rising God is a figure in almost every religion that is um, related to the earth because people see the seed falling to the ground, the plant dies, the seeds fall to the ground, then the plant rises again. You think it's happening there, so maybe it happens in here, too. And I'm thinking that the image of God as a baby is is a wonderful and appealing image. So many people have a picture of God as wrathful or judgmental or distant. And when you think about God being a baby, it's almost like there haven't been any misunderstandings yet. (laughs) There hasn't been any disappointment yet. You're starting fresh. God has innocent eyes when God looks at you. you. You have a chance to to see divine love and light as a tiny, non-threatening element in your wonderful world. Nobody has to tremble before his wrath. Nobody has to wonder what they've done wrong, or whether they're being punished. A baby love, a baby light, a baby spirit carries within itself all that it will become. Everybody knows who's had a baby. They are complete in themselves. As soon as they come out, there's a certain amount of change that will happen. But most people keep the same personality they had when they came out. And you have your dramatic babies, and you have your calm babies, and you have your dreamy babies, and... um, I've yet to see a really compassionate baby. Because <laughs> they're all like, wake up, I'm hungry. Wake up again, I'm still hungry. Every hour and a half. So maybe the light in you and the spark in you starts as a tiny sliver. It starts 
like the new moon, or it starts like the Mississippi way up north as a tiny thing that you can somehow grasp and understand before it becomes this enormous rushing river or before it becomes as big as the sun, the light in you, you have a chance to live with it and nurture it in yourself. I think that mm, a lot of the time we're not really aware of the divine spark inside ourselves. I think we go in our day-to-day busyness and we, we don't really feel that light glowing inside us. And I think that sometimes it takes a spiritual practice. It takes that um, entrance into the still place in order to catch a glimpse of that light that's in us. Or it takes picturing a glowing light inside us, reaching out to other people, spilling over out of ourselves into other people so that we can kind of feel it. And sometimes we don't really sense it until really the darkest time. And so I think it's makes sense that we talk about the light as this darkest time of year because a baby light, a tiny spark, is way more visible in the deepest darkness, yes? You you have soldiers on the battlefield who don't allow themselves to smoke a cigarette because in a black-out field, you smoke a tiny cigarette and you, and your enemy can find where you are and shoot you if they want to. And um, a lot of times they want to. So when you're at a dark place in your life, and by that I mean a place where you can't really see what's next, a place where you can't see where to put your feet, and you have a sense that there are things moving around you, but you have no idea what they are, and you can't move quickly because suddenly your understanding has departed from you. And we all have times like that, and usually there are times right after we tell ourselves, We've got this thing pretty well figured out. We know what we're doing. We're we've reached adulthood. We're we have um, we've arranged our lives. Then suddenly the darkness falls, and you your life is not arranged anymore, and you are confused. And it's at times like that that if you look for it, you can see the tiny baby light shining in you during your the, the winter of your soul. There's a wonderful writer named Antoine Saint-Exupéry. I think most of you have read The Little Prince and The Flight to Arras. But in The Flight to Arras, he writes, The seed haunted by the sun never fails to find its way between the stones and the ground. I love that line so much. If we are a seed and we're deep in the ground, all we have to do is be haunted by the sun. All we have to do is make our way toward the light. We find a little of it in here. We know there's more of it out there. We're just trying to connect the two, and then we can come fully alive. So in times of confusion and of doubt, we should visit our little soul like the Magi. We should kneel before our little baby light and give it presence and just adore it. It doesn't have to do anything for us. It can't. It's a baby. All we do is just kneel down and say, I know what you will be. I know what you can be. 
I want a relationship with you, that light inside me. And I want to protect you from the Herod light-killing forces that are out there and in here. So I want to leave you with a quotation, a poem by Hafiz, um, 17th century Muslim Sufi poet. We have not come here to take prisoners, but to surrender even more deeply to freedom and joy. We have not come into this exquisite world to hold ourselves hostage from love. Run, my dear, from anything that may not strengthen your precious budding wings. Run like hell, my dear, from anyone likely to put a sharp knife into the sacred tender vision of your beautiful heart. Please say with me the words by which we extinguish our chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. Bright morning stars are rising. Bright morning stars are rising. Bright morning stars are rising. Day is a breaking in my soul. Go in peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at www.austinuu.org.